This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, I'll be talking with Kyle O'Hearn, PE, the CEO of DCAT Engineering, and Dinesh Panta, the president of DCAT Engineering, about running a successful engineering business around the clock. Kyle and Dinesh will provide valuable insights on various aspects such as strategies, uh, challenges, financial considerations, team management, client attraction, and more. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or seeking guidance on managing an engineering firm, this episode will help you address your questions and equip you with valuable insights and knowledge. I'm your co-host, Matt Cardle, and this is the Structural Engineering Channel Podcast. Now let's jump into our conversation of the week with Kyle and Dinesh. Before we dive in, we'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, Kyle and Dinesh, welcome to the show. Could you start off by introducing yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you do on a daily basis? Yeah, so my name is Kyle O'Hearn, grew up in Colorado, went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo for a couple of years for civil engineering and then transferred back to CU Denver to finish up my undergraduate degree. That's where Dinesh and I met. We spent a lot of time together on the Steel Bridge team, and that's kind of how we first created a strong relationship and then moving on in education, finished my master's degree at CU Denver for structural engineering. That's kind of my breakdown. And then going on, uh, worked for Hewitt for several years and then a smaller engineering firm. And then now you're part of uh, DCAT engineering, right, Kyle? Just to give our audience a background, you guys both work at DCAT and Kyle, I believe you're the CEO of DCAT and Dinesh, you're the president, right? Yeah, thanks for having us on the show, Matthew. Yeah, my name is Dinesh Ras Panta, and I'm the president of DCAT Engineering LLC. I'm originally from Nepal. I'm a proud global citizen, and I can say I come from a very diverse background, and my life journey has taken me across continents. After an eventful journey that led me through Nepal, India, and Australia, I have finally found myself in the United States here, a land of policy opportunities and innovation. And I graduated from University of Colorado, Denver uh, with an engineering degree. And after working 
at Jewit and Fit Technologies. I partnered with Kyle to start uh, Decade Engineering. And like Kyle said, every day looks like you know managing clients, projects, engineering teams, and coordinating with the team in Nepal and making sure our everyday operations is running smoothly. Where did the name DCAT come from? That seems like a unique name. Right now that Kyle is from Denver, Colorado, and I'm from Kathmandu, Nepal. And our goal is to create a presence in both countries down the road. And that's how we came up with the name DCAT uh, for our company, which is abbreviation for Denver and Kathmandu together. And our slogan, engineering from Mount Elbert, which is the highest peak in Colorado, to Mount Everest, uh, very well captures our vision for the company and our love for the mountains. I think that's what's kind of unique about your company. It's uh, you guys have offices from there all the way across the world. And I think you guys are able to manage and operate 24 hours a day, I believe. And how does that work? And how does that bring advantages uh, to your business with that? So essentially how we're kind of operating that we have subcontracts with several companies, uh, one being in Nepal and then another being in Bangladesh. So we have teams of structural engineers that are able to help us complete our work based on these subcontracts. And what that really gives us is this competitive advantage where we're able to get work set up on our end here. And then it it's getting done overnight based on our guidance. This also involves, we do have some late meetings that Dinesh and I conduct with the teams over there, but this really is for a small firm like us and a pretty new firm. Like this isn't very common to have this capability and we get a lot of reduced turnaround time. A lot of our clients are very impressed with how quickly we can get projects completed. Another just interesting advantage too, is like the holidays for the United States and these other countries don't line up. So we're able to operate even during holiday seasons and stuff like that. So we don't see a slowdown per se around like the 4th of July coming up. We'll have a team still working. That's a competitive advantage. DCAT Engineering is actually really proud to have partnered up with Aaron Engineering Private Limited located in Kathmandu, Nepal, with the basic idea of providing consulting services to each other, shared knowledge, expertise, and the best industry practices. And good thing about it is Kathmandu is approximately 12 hours side of Denver. And with the teams in two different time zones, work can be carried out around the clock. As one team finishes their work day, the other team can actually take over and continue the project. And this ensures the progress is being made even when some team members are not working. And that this leads to increased productivity and faster turnaround time. And the advantage it brings to our business is the fastest turnaround time. And that's what we can promise to our clients. And if the team in Kathmandu complete uh, their part of the project at the end of their work day, they can send it over to the team in Denver. And this handover reduces the idle time and resulted in faster turnaround time for the project delivery. And another big advantage for us as a newly startup is the cost. And we're able to keep our costs really competitive as the labor cost in Nepal is relatively cheaper. And I think keeping our costs as low as possible and having the fastest turnaround time have been the key factors for our survival and growth within the short span of time. And to add to that, Another advantage of teams in different countries and different time zones is a global presence. Again, 
and that's where heading towards to basically have a presence in both Nepal and in the United States. Uh, however, it's worth noting that it's not as easy to manage teams in two different time zones because coordination becomes a challenge. And over the past few months, we have learned a lot of things and we have implemented effective communication strategies to overcome those challenges. You're taking advantage of the technical evolution of our communication throughout the couple of years. Uh, and I think that makes really agile because you're not only a smaller company per se, but not only are you agile in that sense, like in terms of uh, smaller, but you have other offices in other time zones. So it, I think that makes you twice as agile <laughs> than like a firm 10 years ago. Yeah, Matt, to be honest, uh, Dinesh and I, during COVID shutdowns and everything, we're working with Qit Engineering and we all had to go working remote from home. And, and this is kind of, we were living with each other at the time. And this is when we kind of had this idea and Dinesh brought it up, like this might be possible to like have a global presence and, and work remote with engineers where before that, I didn't really see that being a feasible thing where I thought we had to be in an office together in order to be productive and get things done. But that's been very far from the, the truth and how things have worked for us. And yeah, with Microsoft Teams and Zoom calls and all of that, it doesn't just allow us to like help direct work, but it also allows us to have this like personal relationship with the guys that work for Aaron Engineering and create this relationship that's across the world that's been pretty awesome for me to experience as well too and just have that ability to essentially have colleagues that work in Nepal. Dinesh, I, I know you mentioned that you're bringing up this idea where you could come up with, uh, maybe we can work with offices in, in uh, other countries and, and work it around, but what were some of the essential factors when you were considering, when managing a structural engineering firm to achieve that long-term success? What were the things that you were thinking about? What are the things that you needed to uh, take into account? Just like any other business, uh, there are many essential factors to consider when managing an engineering firm. And in order to achieve long-term success, uh, we have to develop a very clear and comprehensive strategy and the plan outlining the firm's uh, long-term vision, mission, goals, and objectives. It is important to identify the target market first and cater to the needs of that market. And that's what we have been doing currently. Uh, we have a niche in this particular market we are operating and we are uh, making the most out of it. And client satisfaction is crucial as well. Uh, understanding their needs and expectations and delivering high quality services will eventually lead to positive client experience and that will in turn lead to repeat business referrals and good reputation. By now, we have probably worked with about 70 or 75 general contractors and we have been getting repeated business from them. And another essential factor to consider is talent acquisition and development. I think this is pretty tricky in this market. In this day and uh, market, essentially, it is very difficult for a small engineering firm like ours uh, that is in the early stages of growth to hire somebody with experience and retain their services. The first few hires and their experience usually define where the company will go. So it is very important to hire the right person to fill in the role. And we are always on the lookout for the right person who values our mission and the goals and work towards it. What are some of the common challenges that 
professionals run into when they're trying to run their own business? I'm sure you all knew in terms of running your own business sounds great, but it's not just like an instant win. There's going to be challenges that you need to overcome. So how do you overcome or mitigate some of those challenges when you're running your own business or starting your own business? I guess we had some ignorance going into it for sure, because at the end of the day, as structural engineers, we're not educated to become business owners. We're educated to do structural engineering. So that's our expertise. And, and a lot of, I guess, the struggles that we've ran into, I wouldn't say we weren't prepared for, but like we weren't told that we were going to run into this. And so this is a new experience for us and we've been operating coming in on 12 months now, but really the biggest help that I've had is that throughout my professional career and also just my personal life, I've created a lot of friendships with other business owners and I've been very lucky to run into these people and foster relationships. And so this has allowed me to essentially create a network of five trusted guys that all had different types of businesses and were owners and operators and also founders of these businesses. And, and these are the guys I rely upon. Several are in the engineering field and then several are not. One of my closest advisors, he owned uh, car dealerships uh, throughout his life. And I rely upon asking questions and getting advice from guys that have been there and done this before. That's kind of how we've been facing these issues that we weren't prepared for is that we've been relying upon our personal relationships with others that have kind of came before us in terms of business. I know that's hard to practically say, like, go out and find business leaders and create friendships, but I really think it is fostering friendship and like relationships with people throughout your life is hugely important because we might not know somebody, but between Dinesh and I, we really do know somebody that has the answer for pretty much all of our questions and problems when it comes to business. You pretty much put it simply, right? I mean, when you're doing business, you're doing business with people. And it's, does what does business owner A and business owner B, do they like each other? Do they have a good relationship? They're going to do business. Sometimes it's as, it's as easy as that, right? You build that relationship and yeah, let's do business together. And both of you are benefiting from that. I think you kind of put it down to the basics, you know, MBA and and whatnot. Yeah, there's all that stuff too. But I think at the end of the day, the way you put it, it's people to people. And you can't underestimate that in terms of not valuing the relationship with your clients and people. Yeah. And also to kind of expand upon that question with the fact that we have engineering degrees, we love knowledge, right? We've constantly been searching for that continued education and stuff. Dinesh and I do a lot of that through reading different business books, sales books, podcasts. I will say one thing that is so huge starting a small company is being able to sell. I believe there's a lot of modest engineers that that aren't going to be upfront and say how needed our services are, right? And so learning how to sell our services and and demonstrate to the clients like what we can provide them that's going to solve their problems, that's hugely important because that's not something that we take a sales class or a marketing class in, in undergraduate degrees. And, and we've learned a lot, you know, from several different authors and influencers that are on YouTube and read a ton of books by like Grant Cardone and things like that. So that's been a huge part. And I was also overcoming that, you know, initial fear of like, how do we find work? How do we create clients and how do we actually create a revenue stream that's going to keep this business afloat? Like you said, we don't take those classes. And I think it's important, like you were saying, that knowledge search. There's You may not be naturally gifted at selling 
or whatnot, or maybe not natural to your personality, but you can learn those skills. Like you were saying, you can learn uh, how to do sales, how to market yourself, your company. And just because you're an engineer and maybe you're introverted or whatnot, doesn't mean you can't do these things. And yeah, if you want to help your firm and you want to help your company or even start your company, uh, you'll need to learn those skills. And I think you just have to be open-minded that you can learn them, even though you're not naturally gifted at them. Dinesh, I know you mentioned team management and retention. Can you go into the team management aspect? Uh, what's your strategy? What's your your mindset on how to uh, you know develop a cohesive, productive team, uh, especially for structural engineers? I'm relatively new on this side of things, like running, managing, and overseeing team and staff. When I was an employee working under somebody or for a big company, I always wished for a positive work environment employee empowerment, and approachable team leaders. Now, that's exactly what I'm trying to do or provide for our team and team of engineers and staff, essentially. And I'm always trying to create a positive and inclusive work environment uh, where everyone feels valued, respected, and motivated. Uh, I encourage work-life balance for everyone in the company. I do not want anyone in the company to work for more than eight hours a day, which is already one-third of their day and it's a lot to ask of them and as a leader of the company i try to set an example for my team by demonstrating you know professionalism and integrity and being accessible and approachable and actively listening to their concerns and ideas and i've been trying to delegate more responsibilities and empower my team to take ownership of their work i think that's the key and as a company we allow team members to take the lead on projects initiatives, giving them the opportunity to showcase their skills and grow professionally. Uh, since we are a relatively new company and in the early stages of our growth, I believe our style and behavior uh, will set the tone for the culture of the company down the road too. So having said that, I do acknowledge that we have to be better at uh, managing expectations of our team and ourselves and devise strategies that aligns with the team members' abilities. I think, uh, you know, drawing upon your past experience at uh, your previous companies, you can kind of see like, okay, these are the good stuff. These are the bad stuff. How do we make it uh, your own way and try to make it all of the good stuff? And I think that's great in terms of knowing your own values and then transferring it over to your employees. And I'm sure there's going to be challenges that will rise, but at least you have that that North Star, right? That vision of where you want to see your company and how they work and gel together. Yeah, essentially, Kyle and I are in constant like discussion about this topic that we do not want to create a company where we don't want to work for. So essentially, that's our vision for the company too. Like everyone feels valued, respected, and at the same time feels motivated to perform at their best. Related to that, Kyle, as a CEO, what are your strategies for ensuring like the smooth operation of the company and the growth of the company? And I'm sure that's stuff that you don't even learn in engineering school. So what's your mindset and maybe how'd you come up with those as well? This is a huge part, right? How can we operate smoothly and grow at the same time? One of the biggest things that we're focused on right now between me and Dinesh and our team overseas and also our employees is really good communication. Like we said, we're about 12 months into operation. So we're still, we aren't like that corporate structure that has all of its procedures, policies, workflows, 
things like that dialed in. We've been doing it for 10 years. So we're really working on good communication and being adaptable. There have been things that we've implemented very quickly compared to what we saw at, in the corporate culture. And that's kind of been a great experience between ways we're managing tasks or keeping track of all the projects we have going on. And so it's really good communication. Hey, what's working, what's not working and really adapting as quickly as we can. That is a benefit we have right now in our growing phase and, and getting established is that we can be like super fluid and, and what we do things. And, and we're finding out the things that work through uh, talking to our team members, talking to each other and really getting that feedback both ways. That's been a huge part of the, this initial phase. And then also one thing that we saw is that we started writing our goals down on paper. Like you said, it's like this North Star, right? As soon as we put it down on paper, we started achieving some of these goals and it defined where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do a lot better. And that's been hugely important. Another thing, when it comes to like operating smoothly, I think defining what we do has been a huge part. So there's types of engineering work we do, and then there's types of engineering work we just don't do and we don't have experience in. And and that's been a learning process, right? Because we're young and and we want to create revenue, but we also need to know our limitations of what our company can handle. Our processes are much more effective when we do the work that we know how to do. That's been a huge part in, in increasing our level of service and also running smoothly is really just defining what we do and what we don't do and being very firm in, in that. Because with the amount of clients we have, there's always projects trickling in that are are outside of the scope of what we're used to and, and things like that. And uh, it's been important for us to say no to certain projects that wouldn't be conducive for us to complete. Yeah, that makes sense uh, long-term. If you say yes to everything, you're not going to be good at all of them. And that's probably going to hurt some of the clients in terms of the expectations. Uh, so knowing when to say no, big key part of that too. Dinesh, Kyle, uh, could you share some insights on the financial aspects that I know a lot of engineers starting off at least don't know too much about? So could you get into uh, some of the things like budgeting, pricing, managing cash flow and strategies, things like that, and maybe even how someone would go about learning those things uh, if they were interested, particularly structural engineers. Yeah, financial management is very crucial for the success and sustainability of small business like ours. Financial management is an everyday talk between Kyle and me, and we are well aware of the fact that a lot of small businesses fail in the first few years of operation because of cash flow management. And we have been doing our due diligence and devising strategies that we do not add to that statistics of failures. So fortunately, I come from an accounting background and it helps me understand the importance of cash flow management and budgeting so that we do not run out of capitals or funds to support our everyday expenses and grow basically down the road. I think Kyle can talk more on the topic of pricing strategies and managing cash flow as well. For pricing strategies, a lot of that we kind of figured out through analytics and and running Excel sheets on what we've been charging and what our hourly is. And, and we do a fixed fee basis. We like to do that. It incentivizes us to get jobs done more timely, but also allows for a bigger profit margin at the end if we're performing. So that's been kind of how we've done that. Also feedback from the clients. We're in constant communication with our clients and ensuring that we're 
charging fair market value on the services we're providing. I will say with our competitive advantage through our partnerships with our two teams overseas, we're able to charge less than most firms are due to that. That's helped us retain clients through better pricing and also still remain profitable when it comes to that. And then one thing that we were not aware of that we were going to run into is there are some clients that are we've had problems getting paid by. And this isn't something that big firms deal with. I don't believe when it's business to business, but we have ran into some interesting situations where a job gets done and then a client or a homeowner doesn't want to pay. So it's really staying on top of those outstanding bills and things like that. That's not something I forecasted or expected to see. And it's kind of a small business problem. That's important. We find these clients that we work well with are professional and pay on time. And those are the clients that we work with. That kind of helps our cash flow out is when we're working with known entities of companies that are reputable and honest and operate the way we like to operate. So that's been huge for the continued cash flow and kind of an unforeseen thing that we've run into that's been uh, different than expected. That's um, where's my money hours? <laughs> it's to pay. You still got to do that communication with, the, with those clients that don't meet those, but it's like there's that mental and then time energy too, right? Where you got to, okay, they didn't pay. Who didn't pay? We need to go and invoice them. They're not responding. Like you're saying, it's unexpected, but it takes up your time. And that's where you can kind of see where the good clients are versus the bad ones. We also have a great accountant that we work with very closely and he's like a phone call away. So that's been like a huge part of our financial success too, is bouncing ideas off of him, him helping us with our books and things like that. And then for a small business, QuickBooks has been an awesome resource to use for our invoicing and and things like that to also get all the charts for essentially all of our income and things like that to monitor where we're at with our bank balances and, and revenue. I know we also talked about retaining clients. What about attracting and retaining new engineers in the industry? I know for structural engineering, that's a topic that comes up, up uh, a lot of the time. Um, what are your strategies on retaining and attracting new engineers and new employees? And uh, what about retaining them as well? On the topic of clients and how we've been finding work, our first couple of clients were honestly personal connections that we had, and that's kind of opened up the industry that we're going after work in. One thing I've heard is that to get customers and get clients, you got to be willing to do what the other guy's not willing to do. So in our first couple months, Dinesh and I got on the phones and we cold call hundreds of people, uh, essentially getting our name out there. And that worked initially, and we've amassed a pretty large client list based off of that. And now... The big question is like retaining clients. We let our work speak for ourselves. We're available on the phone. We're responsive. We get the work done when we say it's going to get done. And, and it's over the quality that we expect, which is a high quality. And so that's building these long-term relationships because in our business, we're not really looking for a customer where it's buy this one thing. And then that's all they know of us. We're looking for long-term clients that we're going to be working with for years to come. And so it's really fostering that relationship along with that, when we're doing that with certain clients is that they're telling their friends about what we do. And if they know that somebody else needs an engineer, we're getting that word of mouth marketing essentially, which that's how it's been done for 
hundreds of years. It, it only changed in the early 1900s with TV and advertisement, but I feel like with social media and Instagram and stuff like that, the, it's going back to how it used to operate where you can't get away with having a bad service or a bad product. And so that's how we're retaining customers and clients is by providing a service that's needed and providing it at a top quality. With the quality, Dinesh, how do you go about ensuring that high quality product or engineering services while also being profitable as well? Uh, ensuring the delivery of high quality engineering services to clients starts with having a clear understanding of the client's requirements and expectations, such as defining uh, the project goals, scope, deliverables, and milestones, if any. And we have also established effective project management practices and we utilize uh, effective project tracking and collaboration tools, uh, leveraging technology tools and software specifically designed for project management has significantly improved our efficiency, communication, and quality of work. At DCAT, we also foster a culture of quality and continuous improvement. It's also called the Kaizen philosophy in Japanese. We have encouraged our teams to take pride in their work and prioritize attention to detail. At the same time, we have implemented high-quality assurance processes, such as our regular reviews and implemented lessons learned from past projects in future endeavors. Investing in employee and team development uh, and training is actually the key to delivering high-quality services to our clients. We have acquired services of skilled and knowledgeable structural engineer with about 20 years of experience in this industry to review our work and uh, from whom we, our team can actually learn from. Uh, we have been continuously reaching out to our industry partners to host webinars to our team so we can stay up to date with the industry advancement. And to add to the previous question that you asked to Kyle regarding uh, retaining employees, it's pretty tough in this market, especially with the amount of money flowing into this industry. It's been pretty tough for us to basically hire as a small company. Basically, we cannot afford to offer the same level of benefits package to these uh, experienced engineers that the big companies can. And even in bigger companies, there's a lot of poaching going or going around. And I don't think it's conducive for small business like ours at this time, but we definitely hope to hire and retain their services down the road. I like smaller companies when I first started and I'm technically still in a small office, but like a bigger company, but I really like that small office feel because uh, I've worked in both where it's hundreds of employees in one office and there's that 10 employee office or five man employee office. And uh, for me, knowing that I like that environment where there's a lot more mentorship going on, there's more one-on-one, -on -one, you get to learn the whole projects. I think that's one of the huge advantages of uh smaller firms because you learn everything. You have to. So you get to learn everything about that whole process. And I think it goes great with your culture of, um, you mentioned Kaizen, continuously learning. Yeah, I think it matches great with your small company feel because yeah, you're always going to be learning something. If you like that, if that's for you, if you're an employee that wants that, I think that's the place to go because you'll learn a lot more, I think personally, from in a small firm than if you go to a, a huge firm and then Maybe you're working on a huge project, but maybe you'll get like a tiny piece of a, a project. Maybe you'll get the canopy or something like that. So I think it's knowing who those employees are that want to 
be in that type of an environment because there's pros and cons to both, but they need to figure out what they want. To add on to that, uh, Dinesh and I were actually talking about that before we got on this interview. And it is interesting. I moved to a smaller company from Qit and really got to experience that for about a year, that small company feel. Dinesh and I were both talking. We really believe that it's totally two different things because it is that. It's like you're either doing everything or you're just doing a small part of a large project. We had some difficulty with employees where they're used to the big corporate company where it is so much different, right? And that's been a, a struggle. And, and so it is finding the right fit for the company, somebody that wants to, because it's high pressure working for a small firm because everything, you have to be a utility player essentially, right? If the trash has to go out, you got to be the guy that takes the trash out, right? Because there's nobody else. That's a different mentality from coming from a large corporation, but also one that Dinesh and I really do enjoy. And uh, it, it is for some people for sure because it is a tight knit, your the experience. And that's what I love too, working for a small company is that I could go up to my old boss uh, who had 30 years of experience in the industry and, and he would sit down for an hour and, and break down problems and projects for me, which there wasn't room for that at big corporations. That's a big part that maybe newer engineers, students may not take into account because they probably just want to go into the big firms, but there's a big opportunity there, especially starting off your career. Pal, I know you mentioned relationships with clients a lot. Do you have any uh, advice on how to build and nurture those relationships with your clients, the contractors, architects, and other professionals? A huge part of this, and this is can be a fostered skill, but I, I really think it's important to not just have a professional relationship with our clients, but I like getting on the phone. And email's great for conveying information, but actually calling a client and talking to them you know, and also seeing how their weekend were and like how their family's doing and stuff like that has been kind of how I've fostered these relationships with contractors, which has been one part that I wasn't expecting, but has been one of my favorite parts is creating these relationships with other people where we can have a, a working relationship and get the job done, but also develop a friendship at the same time, which has been great. And, and we have some awesome clients, to be honest, that I enjoy getting on the phone at talking about work 90% of the time and then talking about personal stuff for the other 10. And and that's kind of how I've seen it. We've been doing certain lunch meetings to continue to foster those relationships. And one thing too, that's been really cool. I just actually went to a professional networking event in New Jersey for the North American Deck and Rail Association. And so that's been a, another thing too, is joining professional groups and organizations and creating relationships across the country in terms of that. So that's how we've been nurturing it. Uh, we've gone to several local home and garden shows and other shows that are drawing a lot of contractors from our local region. And that's providing us an opportunity to get face-to-face -face time with these guys and, and let them know, you know what we're doing and get our name out there. We've had great success cold calling, but even better success getting in front of somebody and showing them who we are, what our company's all about. That's been a great experience so far. Could you share any of your most valuable lessons, advice for aspiring structural engineers that may want to eventually run their own successful business? Starting your own successful engineering or any business for that matter can be a really daunting task. As for me, the key to success is working for a smaller company prior to basically venturing into starting your own company or 
you actually get to see all aspects of running a business from occurring projects to project delivery. And that has been the key as well for our business with Kyle working at a small company and knowing you know, how the business is run. And that has been the key to our success. So that's what I would say from my side, basically work for a smaller company for a bit. There's a level of faith that's required in, in taking that leap for both Dinesh and I. We kind of got to the point where like, hey, we've spent hours and hours and months and months preparing for us to jump ship from our old companies. And, you know, at a point you just have to do it and have trust. I'm very lucky to, you know, be in business with Dinesh. I believe we both trust each other a hundred percent. And so that's hugely important. It's who you're getting in business with. And I'm not sure if I would have been able to do this myself, but me and Dinesh have been in this together from day one, you know, even starting in college, working on the steel bridge team. And, and this was an idea that we had for a long time of running our own thing and, and doing our own business and seeing what impact we could have on the world. So we had this vision along with this faith and trust in each other that made it possible because it's scary to not have that guaranteed paycheck coming in. And that's just something that we've had to deal with. And, and we've been blessed to have it work out really better than expected. Before we started, we both were like, all right, we can survive for 12 months without making a single dollar. So let's go do it. If that's possible, let's go do it. Luckily, we haven't had to suffer that bad, but we've been profitable since day one. And it's a leap of faith. If you do it with the right person, it makes it that much easier. Thanks for those insights, uh, both of you. I think it's, you can see the, what is it, the synergy between the both of you in terms of the trust there, but also it looks like even with uh, your different strengths too, I know like Dinesh has his accounting background and beating off of each other's strengths to make it a, a dream team. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your advice, uh, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources or websites mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.